the Magic Book Club podcast. Hello and welcome along to the Magic Book Club podcast. My name's Tom Price and joining me on this episode is an absolutely fantastic author. He has published a whopping loads. I'm not going to count them now, Mike. It'll take me too long. Uh, of course, made famous by that incredible debut, My Legendary Girlfriend, the very wonderful Mike Gale. Hello. Hello there. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Congratulations on the new book, which is called... I'm just going to read it off it. Half a World Away. Yes, it is. Now... Is that a, is that from? No, a little bit of a story. So it's one it's one of those things where you, you kind of think, yeah, I, it, it's called Half a World Away, and uh, and I was like thinking, yeah, it's Oasis, it's REM, and, and it was only after everything was finalised that I sort of realised that actually the Oasis song is Half the World Away, yeah, and REM is Half a World Away, right? Uh, and it's just like, do I like Oasis? Do I like REM? And I just thought, well. I'll go Ferrari. Okay, yes. good. Excellent. I would definitely draw, I'd definitely follow the REM book. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. REM, one of those bands you forget they exist, and every now and again you're like, oh, it's so much good stuff well, there. Well, until they, they tour, not that they're going to tour anymore, but I mean, no. you know, until they tour and then suddenly they're sold out in five seconds because all the old people who are, all the old indie kids kind of, oh, yes. what happens. This is what happens whenever you go, any of those gigs, whenever I go to them, I'm myself included, I just see a sea of bald patches. And I'm this like, is it. Yes. Oh, that's and, me. And they wear headwear as well to cover the bald patches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we're getting distracted, Mike. Sorry. <laughs> so, it's a half, book pod. It's yeah. a book pod. Sorry. Yeah, that's yeah. A, thank you very much. Half a world away. It's out now. Uh, tell us, give in, in, a, in a nutshell, what is this the story of? So it's the story of Kerry Hayes and she is a, uh, she's a uh, working class cleaner. She's a single mum. She works really hard. She's got a son who she absolutely adores, but she has never forgotten her younger brother, um, who she hasn't seen since they were taken into care. So he was adopted. Uh, she was basically moved from foster home to foster home and then ends up in care. And um, she never forgets who he is. And we sort of cut to sort of, you know, she's she's in her, I suppose, her early 40s and things happen, which which means that she, she decides that now is the time to kind of find her, her little brother. Yeah. And um, Noah is, um, he's a, a barrister. Um, he's mixed race. And he was adopted by white parents who, who are very... Lovely people, uh, very well to do, um, but he has lived a very and he's gone to um, you know he's gone to private school and he's gone to Oxford and all sorts of things and his life is very different to Kerry's and I suppose that the stories about them that what happens when they come together and you know whether 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 that blood connection can really mean something you know when you've never when you don't even remember living together. Mm. Um, and I suppose that that's at the heart of it. It's about family. It's about love. It's about class. It's about race. It's yeah. it's about pretty much everything. There's yeah. lots going on. There. No, it's yeah. it's beautiful and all lightly handled as well. Beautifully handled. Um, the the thing that you just said, she she can never forget this baby. It really struck me the way that she's estranged from him early on. Yes. And it, that sits with her in her life for the rest of her life. And it, that that I feel is something so fascinating about that. The way that that event can live with someone. Every second of their life for such a long time. It's like thirty years, isn't it? Since yeah. They... Well, it, well, it, it's you know, like sometimes you just can't believe that these things happen. That, mm. that that families are allowed to be split like that, and just to think that you know, I've got two brothers. I'm sure you know everyone here has got family, and you know, to just to think that one day, for reasons that you don't really understand at the time, your your family is taken away from you, and you never get to see them again. You never know. Whether they're happy, whether they live or die, you know, I, I could imagine yeah. that could be a really traumatic thing. And, you know, you've only got to watch those sort of long lost family shows to kind of see 
how, I mean, how do those presenters present those shows without blubbing I throughout know, the well, whole they, thing? They don't, is the, is the answer. <laughs> yeah, well, true, it, it, yeah. It, it, it's, it's absolutely devastating. It is, it is. Also, what I love about this topic is, and this, this often made me pause to think about, the idea of the connection. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a cousin I've got who I hadn't seen for years, and like 15 years, I think it was, I literally hadn't set eyes on him, and within a minute of seeing him, just the the chemistry, the connection, knowing you share these genes, and we're cousins through twins as well, so maybe that made a difference. I don't know. But it, it's so powerful, it's so striking, and it, it, I mean, God, it's such a cliche, blood is thicker than water. By the time you, you see someone like that, that family connection, class, everything else, doesn't matter a jot, does it? Well, it's funny, because in, in the book, it's a, it's a real struggle for, 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 for both Noah and Carrie, because... They have to sort of get their heads around the idea of just how different their lives are. And so Noah, you know, lives in a very, very nice house, very big house in, in sort of um, North London. And, you know, she lives in a flat and, you know, he's this um, criminal barrister and, and she's a cleaner. And so those things at first seem like they're, 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 they're almost insurmountable. Mm. And you know when they when they first meet, you know she's very much aware of how she comes across, and she, you know, it's really heartbreaking. Just the, this idea that she kind of thinks to herself that she's not enough for him, yeah, because of the way she talks and and the way she dresses and the, the, what she does for a living. You can see the way that her her lower class status, at least her lower status, has drilled into her exactly, esteem yeah. to such an extent she can't even initially connect with her brother because she's... Well, exactly. And, and, and then he's, you know, at the same time, he's also aware that he's actually really posh. And, mm. you know, he's, he's, he's got this sort of thing where he thinks to himself, well, should he sort of dial down his poshness? But and then is that being a bit patronising? And, it, and, and it's, it's, it's lovely seeing that sort of awkwardness. But it's also lovely seeing them overcome that. And that's what the, the story's really about. It's about overcoming those, those, those externals and actually drilling down to actually what we have, you know, that connection, even a connection where you can't even remember being with that person yeah. is so much greater yeah, than yeah. All, all the other things that, you know, the world says is important. I mean, that's obviously, that's a huge theme in the book. Another thing that really struck me throughout the book is that the, the damage of things unsaid, the damage of repression, especially yeah. with him, I guess, with certainly with, with what happens with him and his partner. That, the, the, the echoes of that are huge, aren't they? The way that hits everything. Very much so. I, I think it's... Um, it's funny sometimes when you when you read a book, you, you kind of just say, "Oh, you know." I, I've I've seen people say, or heard readers say, "Oh, why didn't you just tell them? Why didn't they just do it?" And have you ever tried to tell somebody something really difficult? Mm. It's virtually impossible. You know, how it's in them an email, Mike. That's why. WhatsApp. Yeah. And I think I think to to be fair, actually, I think that's what a lot of people do. I think a lot of people are. Uh, you know, it's far easier to say things over Twitter, over email, you know, in, in a WhatsApp text, than to actually say something to somebody's face and look at them right and and tell them what it is you're feeling, what it is you're thinking. But those these are actually really difficult things, and I think people think that they're a lot easier than they actually are. And I just think, well, actually, think of the most difficult the the thing that you don't want anybody to know and then find a random to tell it to and just mm. see how easy it is because it's, fascinating. it's a fascinating idea isn't it at the moment this explosion of feelings and certainly of opinions at the moment online oh, course, and yes, the yes. era that we're living in and yet when you dial that all back when you take that all away the idea when, you, of, when you're face to face yeah but, 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 you know it's, it's that whole British thing of you know how was your meal and you know it had worms in it and all sorts of things oh it's lovely it was delightful <laughs> and because we, we you know especially British people we just 
we just don't like to talk about the truth. And, and so Noah is, is very, very reserved. And the reason why he is the way he is, is, is partly because, you know, of his adoption. All he wants for his entire life is just to be normal, just to be a regular person. Mm. And so because of that, he sort of dials back from, from talking about being adopted. He dials back from talking about his emotions. He doesn't dig too deeply about anything because that's the way he's, he's found that life, he can make life work. And is that like you, Mike Gale? That's what I want to know. Ah, is, is, that is that like you me? or is that completely the opposite of you? Um, no, I, I'm, I'm quite open. Oh, it's, it's a <laughs> See, you can't talk about a difficult thing now. It's, it's a Text me. Because, you know, I, I'd say, yeah, I'm really open. And then, you know, you get my wife in here and she'd be like, no, <laughs> not at all. Um, I don't know. I try to be open. Um but it, it, like I say, it's, it's really difficult. So how do you crawl into these people and, and give them life? If, if the, I mean, obviously, imagination is the simple answer, but yeah. do, you, do you base them on people you know? Do you flesh them out? Do you just make them you just with a few, you know, changes? It's a really funny one because, um, you know, do you start with the plot? Do you start with your character? I, I, I think with this book, I, I started with the plot, this idea of half-siblings sort of coming together and them having a sort of a difference. And I'm very much a planner, and so I... I um, before I write a single word, I sort of, I plan, I have to know where everything's going. And then, right. So we've, had, we've talked about this before on the podcast. You have the pantsers. Yes. And you have the planners. Yeah. Seat of pants versus planners. So oh, you're, yeah. I'm, I'm a planner okay. all the way. You and Jane uh, Harper, the biggest yeah. one so far. Yeah. Jane Harper plans pretty much every single yeah. bit of punctuation before she sits down. But I think, I think I have to plan because planning means that when I actually sit down to type my first chapter... I know exactly who my characters are. Mm. Quite often when I've tried to sort of just, you know, do what I seat my pants sort of stuff, I found it quite difficult because it's just like, you know, Tony strides across the room and I go, well, why is Tony striding across the room? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas actually when you, when you know your characters, you, you know their motivations straight away. And so I, I knew that, you know, I wanted Noah to be like this, I wanted Kerry to be like this, and I was thinking about the things that might happen to them. And so I have to think about, well, who would be in that sort of situation and how would that sort of work and and then bam it suddenly it kind of all comes together and one of the things i really love about the book is is kerry's voice yeah kerry straight off the bat you know it was when i sat down i hadn't really got this sort of you know locked in my head exactly who she was and then it all just seemed to just kind of churn up from Mm. the, the the very heart of me and suddenly this voice was there and she's just absolutely alive from the get-go and she's there banging on about Mariah Carey and oh, that Mariah Carey. A, I love yeah, Mariah that Carey that was a real thing. surprise to me because it was like where did that come from yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was just, it's all in there you know? it's weird it must feel like being possessed it when is, that happens it, very much so especially when you're doing it in the first person because you yeah. I really want to inhabit their sort of voices because you know I, I want as you're reading you know I don't want you to think that you're reading a novel I want the readers to feel like they are listening to these characters yes. these, these people telling their stories. Tell me, do you write, when you write something like this, especially with the first person, do you now have an ear out for the audiobooks? Because audiobooks are becoming bigger and bigger by the day. I'm a huge fan of audiobooks. I discovered them only, probably about the last 12 months and they have really transformed, actually, the, the, way, I, the way I write because it, it, it's just amazing what an actor can do. You know, I feel a bit bad because, you know, prior to this, I'd, I'd always thought, you know, Actors, what, what do they do? You know, they, you know, they read, they read, you know, a, a, you know, a writer's words, yeah, and they get paid for it, you know, and look good, maybe. <laughs> um, I just thought, oh, no. and it, it wasn't until um, 
I was listening to one of my early um, audio books. Um, it was read by Jack Davenport. Oh, yes. Um, and he read my second book, Mr. Commitment. And he just did the amazing things with, with the text. So he made lines that I thought that I knew were funny. He made them hilarious. Yeah. And he made lines that I didn't even... I just thought, oh, that's just a throwaway line. He made those really funny as well. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, OK, that's what actors do there. <laughs> OK. So the magic stardust. And uh, talking of the stardust, I think Kerry is the stardust in this book, much as I love yes. Noah, Jason, yeah. uh, and Kian as well, and yes. all these great people. Um, there's something about it. She is... The star, that sounds like such a cliche, but no, this explosion is. of energy yeah. that, that casts light on everything and everyone in, in yeah. the book. She is just full of life. She's full of energy. Uh, she's full of love. Yes, she's, lo- um, she's love, isn't she? She's, she's love and kindness, and but she's also really funny, and, and she's I, she knows herself. That's what I really like about her. Mm. She absolutely 100% knows herself, and... You know, she knows who she wants Keen to be and she doesn't falls. She's absolutely just leaps off the page at you. And to stretch this metaphor to breaking point, if she is this star and she creates this orbit of people around her, how does it then feel for you, Mike, to be the god of this universe and to do things to these people? Do you know what? It's really difficult because, um, and I think this is one of the the reasons why I have to be a planner, Mm. because, you know, when you fall in love with your characters... You don't want anything bad to happen to them. That's a really boring book. <laughs> and it's a really so boring book. Dull yeah. book. A book with no conflict. <laughs> yeah, Wouldn't it be yeah. nice to have an indulgence book which you publish? <laughs> yeah. Just you know, no one's going to like it, but it's just really nice. Just yeah, lovely yeah, things just happen. The nice end. Nice stuff happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all you know, fairies and you know, stepping <laughs> in the. Uh, you know, yeah, and because I've planned, you know, it's just like right. I have made up my mind that these guys are going to have to go through obstacles, mm. and. It's really difficult. It can be really difficult because there there are times when, you know, because you're living it and you're feeling it, and you know, sometimes because you know, people going through similar sorts of things. You're, you're you know, this is all you're imagining. How would I be? How would I feel in this situation? Yeah. You're just thinking, this is really tough stuff. Yeah, really tough stuff. Did you do much research? Did you go and talk to people who've been through this? Um, no, I didn't. I didn't. I, you know, I know people. Uh, I got friends who uh, uh, have been adopted, and and I did read um, and watch a few documentaries about um, adoption. And it, it's it's always difficult with with research because you don't you want to do some research, but you don't want to do so much so that it, it sounds like a textbook when it comes out. And so yes. it's, it's almost like you you eat the research, you digest it, mm. and then you you let it come out when you need it. And, mm-hmm. and that's the important thing. Across the book, yeah, yeah. So tell us a bit about, Mike, about your, your writing process. Now, when was the, how often do you publish books? Are you one of these once-a-year people? Yes, well, yes and no. Um, I, in an ideal world, I am once a year. So, But I've been writing for 21 years now. <laughs> um, no, I don't look it. Thank you very much. For, uh, <laughs> Sorry, there was yeah, a really yeah. awkward pause well, there. Clearly, clearly I listen, you said you're an REM fan, yes, yes, so I yeah, knew yeah, yeah, you were yeah, of a certain yeah. age since you said that. <laughs> um, the thing of it is, is that, you know, you spend a year in this world, creating the world from the, from the, from the ground up, and then, you know, there comes a point when you type the end and it's all done and dusted and you've done all your drafts and it, it, yeah. it's all done and dusted. And then you have a, a, a break. And then you, straight away, you're, you're, as soon as you have a break, your your mind starts thinking, right, let's get on and create another world. And mm-hmm. it's such a daunting thing. Because at the beginning, it's it's like, like I was saying, you know, it, at, at the beginning, it's it's like, well... 
who are these people? Where do they live? What do they look like? You, you have to be able to answer all these questions, you know. And I, you know, I do a little bit of um, teaching, and I, I always say to students, so much of writing is decision making, you know. Mm. And and what I find with a lot of people who want to be writers is that they they try and sit on the fence and go, well, you know, who is he? I don't know. Mm. What do they do? I don't know. Where do they live? I don't know. And yeah. all of these things you have to know because they are all feed into your story. Yeah. And so you, you do, you live with these characters, you live with them, you build these situations and then you say goodbye to them and then have a break and then you do it all again. And is there, a, is there half a world away, is there is there a movie potential for this or is it TV series? How, how could you see that visualised? Or would you hate that? Does this have to live in our brains? Um, of all the books I've written, this is one that I could definitely see as a film or a TV series. Um, which though? Which? Don't sit on the fence. Come oh, on, come on. I think it'd have to be a TV series. Mm, I, think, I think so. I, I think to sort of... To really, to really grow to love the characters and to understand their situations and to feel the things that they're feeling, yeah. you know, a lovely six or eight part series. Yeah, and to see that chain and Boosie one, please. Thank you, nine pm if you're listening. Thanks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the thing I love as well is Noah, especially that sense of, of change. So you've got yeah. this kind of Kerry; she is the explosion of light and love, and you have Noah who's on this journey. Horrible cliche again, yeah. Soz. Um, but he 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 changes, and I feel like there's more. I feel like there's there's extrapolation. Would there be, is there a sequel in this, or is there more in this universe for you to explore, or do you feel like no, the end, move on? It's a really difficult one. Um, I can't write books thinking about sequels. No. Um, I was talking about this with, with some author friends recently, and I was, just, I was just talking because most, you know, across 16, 17 books now, I have written one sequel. And even that, I didn't really know what I was going to write. You yeah. know, when, I, when I wrote the first one, I didn't think, I thought that was it. Yeah. And so that was turning 30, and I just thought, okay, let's revisit the characters 20 years later mm -hmm. and because it was such a big gap between books that wasn't so difficult in terms of right okay what might this plot be what might this story be but you know when I write a novel I, I like to feel like you're getting a sense of this is everything going in here mm. and while there might be elements where you know well, what happens here with this character or you know, I don't want too many loose ends. And I I don't know. I don't know whether you, you can have that high sense of drama twice mm. in, in somebody's life. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I feel like with, with... Sequels are never as good. They're just not as with movies. Well, exactly. This is the thing. And, and you know, you know when I want to think of, you know, one of my favourite films in the world is um, Gregory's Goal. And um, one of my least favourite films in all the world is Gregory's Two Girl. Yeah. Um, Gregory's Girl's Perfection. And mm. you've got to you've got to really love the story and, and have a really good story yeah. to potentially taint, you know, well, it, it doesn't taint the original because I love Gregory's Still Girl. Yeah, still, yeah, yeah, just yeah. ignore the other film. Yeah, yeah. But, um, it's always going to have an impact on the first thing, isn't it? It's yes, always yeah, going to cast yeah. a shadow back yeah. on it. And you, you, you know, you, you don't want to do that. I, I think, yeah. I think... You know, I'm a big believer in just just move on to the next really good idea. Yeah. And uh, to talk to me about your working day, Mike. How does it work? Do you work from home? Do you go and sit in a cafe? What do you do? So, um, <laughs> so um, it's been a long time since I worked in office. And so when I when I first, um, so I used to be a journalist. Who were you a journalist and, uh, for then? I used to be. Uh, I used to work for Just Seventeen. Oh, amazing! Yes, 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 yes. Wow. Uh, so I used to be featured in Just Seventeen, and we used to work in office and blah blah blah. And mm -hmm. I always found working in office a bit strange. Telephones ringing and, and people asking you for things. Yeah. You know, how, how do you actually write and 
do all the stuff that happens in an office. Mm. But anyway, when I when my literary girlfriend happened, um, I got the opportunity to go full time, you know, doing the thing that I love. And so I was, I was there, sort of, um, you know, I just thought, right, I, I'm going to treat this like a, a full time job. I, I remember sitting down, like, right, eight thirty, nine o'clock, <laughs> logging on. Here down, we go. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, commute to the, the the spare room that I was using as a <laughs> as a as an office. Yeah. And uh, how's the traffic today? Awful and, on the uh, stairs. Yeah. Nightmare. And uh, you know, I, I start working, and you know, I'd I'd work really well for about an hour and a half. Then I'd start, and I think, right, make a cup of tea. You know, make a cup of tea, do another 15, 20 minutes, right, make another cup of tea. I don't even drink tea. This is the thing. It's just leaving it's, them in the kitchen. Yes, untouched. You, you just want to have a break. And I, I, You need I, people around you, don't you? You're a sociable being. You're not one of these weird writers who likes to hide away. Well, I am and I'm not, you see. Okay. I, I think the thing that I learned in those early days is that you can't, for me personally, I can't treat writing like... Um, a nine-to-five job. I, I've tried it. It doesn't work for me. All yeah. it means is that I, I work for four hours and then spend five hours just staring out the window doing whatever, mm. anything but writing. Mm. Um, so you're just dragging out the process. And so what I've learned very quickly is that um, I'll start at uh, eight, I'll finish by one, and I'll set myself a, a daily word target of about 2,400 words. And very accurate, very well, accurate there. Yep. I thought you were going to say two, two or 3,000. No, no, no. 2,406 words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Nice. And that's five yeah. days a week and that's and you that's five days a week. In. Okay. I don't work weekends. Mm. Um, what a great life. What a great thing to do. It's just gorgeous. It, it, sound, it sounds great. It, it sounds perfect. And, until, you know, you're in those moments where, I mean, the thing about the thing about writing is or, or being an author is is that you there are no guarantees you know it, when you, if you're if you're a mathematician you know you know that you do these sums then you'll get an answer yeah if you're an author you can put hours and hours and hours into something and not know it, if it works and even if you have um even if i plan you know i still can sit down and um and i won't really know that the story has worked until I've actually, you know, I could read it, but I won't really know that it's worked until a complete stranger has read it. Who's the first person who reads your book, then? Um, the editor or...? My wife reads it first. Yes. Um, so she uh, is very good at gentle feedback. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, okay. Feedback that won't break me. Um, <laughs> and then I give it to my agent and editor, uh, and they're really brilliant at, um, at, at sort of giving me notes and pointing me in, in different directions and have you thought about this and have you thought about that? Hmm. But, you know, it's it's only really when it's out there in the wild and people are reading it and people are reviewing it. Do you read your reviews? Do you know what? Again, when I'm teaching, uh, when I'm teaching people writing, I, I always say, don't read Amazon reviews. It's not how good your book is. It's just some complete randoms yeah. just saying stuff. You know, you wouldn't listen to over listen to strangers talking about you. So I do it. Of course you do. And the thing is, I think people think that the you know the, the reviewers sort of have some sort of truth, but they bring so much baggage with them. Mm. A friend of mine was, was saying that you know they got a one star review because somebody didn't like the fonts that their uh, their Kindle was. Or it arrived late, or it arrived late, yeah. or, or I've seen that on book know, reviews. People saying two days late, and you're like, yeah, dude, yeah. you can't yeah. blame the it's author. The, I've got nothing to do it's with that. It's not. I'm sure they just think that I'm just there sat in an Amazon warehouse. Going, <laughs> All right, ding. 
you? There's another Magic. one. All right, Magic. I'll put it in an envelope for Mike, you. Mike Gale, you've yes. got to, come on. You've got to put one of your characters in your next book set in an Amazon warehouse. That'd be amazing. Although, careful, don't bite the hand. Ooh. Don't bite the hand. But, um, you've got to be really careful. Don't pay too much attention to them either, either way. I yeah, think of you've, got to, you've got to find those people that you trust who will sort of deliver the, the sort of and you know my 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 wife my editor my agent they yeah. they all do that no agenda yeah no agenda that's it. other than making the book as as good as it could possibly be of course yeah. um, and uh, who are your influences please who do you read when you're not writing Ooh. or do you still read books while you're writing I don't read books while I'm writing generally speaking although I've, I've, I'm, as I said I'm a, a bit of an uh, audiobook fiend so. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm reading, I'm listening to books while I'm walking the dog. So I'm doing the Overstory um, at the yes. moment. Um, Have you read that? The Overstory. No, no, no. John that? Powers, Richard Powers, I think it is. Um, it's a it's a book about trees. Oh right, okay. And, and so I think got, it got shortlisted for the book a couple of years ago. Anyway, that's my audio book at the moment, and half my brain is there constantly. This is what audio books do to yeah, you. I think yeah, this will happen yeah. with yours as well. Yeah. I think, I think it's one this. of those things because you because you, especially because I, I only listen to it when, I, when I'm walking the dog. It feels a little bit episodic, and it's just like. <gasps> And suddenly we're like, oh, let's take a little bit of a longer walk. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We're going <laughs> we're off to the woods for three today. days. <laughs> that was a really good bit, though. <laughs> well, I think Half a World Away by Mike Gale, I think this is definitely an extended walk on audiobook and oh, definitely a very, very, very good reader to get stuck into. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's a perfect book to, to lose yourself in. And it's, it feels like a holiday book in the sense that you want to give over two or three days to it fully and wholly and immerse yourself in these brilliant characters. Uh, Mike, I've never read any of your stuff before, and I, I, that's remiss of me. And now I've read this and I will read more. So thanks for coming in. Thank you very much for And uh, good luck with this book. I think it's great. Thank you. Thank you.